Hello, Aaron. Hey, Riley. Thank you for joining me. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm your first. It's true. Oh God. You're the first one, so no pressure or anything. <laughs> I was just saying to you just now that you probably should have saved that for the the end. Like, <laughs> hey, by the way, Aaron, you were the first guest on Yes and. <laughs> I don't want to make you nervous being the first one and all. I mean, <sighs> it's an honor, if anything. Thank you. I appreciate that. Coming from you, that means a lot. Oh. Well, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your journey and your life and your story. Bring it on. So can you tell me what, what got you started into improv? Were you an actor first or were you first introduced? Did you go to like a class or something? So believe it or not, I am not an actor. Uh, not I have not been pursuing this for the acting game. This is all more or less been like a, like sort of a therapeutic way of just dealing with stressors and anxieties. And I'm sure many improvisers can relate to something like that. Um, how I got into this. I don't know. It's, it's like different layers. Um, the first time I saw improv was in high school and I went to a high school in the suburbs of Chicago. I was, I went to Barrington high and uh class of 07 and uh <laughs> now i've i've age stamped myself anyways uh <laughs> cut that out <laughs> yeah cut that cut that cut that uh so uh, i was like sophomore or junior year second city came to my high school and performed and they did a thursday and friday night show i went to the friday night show so that was like my first time seeing uh long form improv and, and then doing some short form game stuff uh, at the end so that was really cool, but it, I never got the chance to actually do improv stuff until January 2017 is when I took level one at Village Theater. Really? So that yeah. was, what, 10, 10 years from when you first saw it to where you started yeah. trying it? Well, so I graduated in 07, so I saw them in 05 is when I saw Second City for oh, the first gotcha. time. So yeah, it was like 12, like over a decade. Wow. Yeah. And I got a level one class as a Christmas gift and uh, the journey went from there, really. Wow. So you didn't even really decide to take the first class. It was gifted to you. It was so gifted. what if she hadn't gifted it? Uh, yeah, it was, just, it was gifted. And I, I took the first class just thinking like, what the hell? You know, I got no hobbies really anymore. Um, uh, and I'm too busy with film work at the time. So I just, I, I think I needed something of a distraction to get me through work. And um, yeah, level one was a lot of fun. Made some friends that I'm still friends with to this day. Wow. Uh, have started improv teams with some of these level one individuals. Uh, wow. Yeah. Can I ask when you first watched improv, what was it that drew you towards it that made you interested in wanting to try it? I think, you know, I, I remember seeing that friend of mine, and she was doing a lot of short form game stuff that night. And I just, I just saw her, um, just sort of the freedomness in her face. Like just, she just felt so free to be silly and uninhibitedly goofy. And I've always felt that I've been that kind of person, but I've never had a, a platform to, um, hone it in on, you know? Yeah. You know, there's, I was definitely that class clown kid, that awkward, you know, goofy kid that, uh, the teacher is like, oh, God, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it's funny that you say that about hobbies because there aren't a lot of hobbies that really rival what improv can give you. Mm. I feel like I've had a lot of random hobbies and I can't think of one that allows me to express myself. Splat painting. Except for that. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually a really 
Aaron and I went splatter painting recently, and it was a blast. We it's, do it again. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Next to improv, it, there's nothing more freeing than splatting paint all over the place. <laughs> Even a paint gun. Gun. Paint. Oh, man. Also, now that improv is a big part of your life, how mm-hmm. do you think it's changed your personality or your outlook on things outside of improv even it's a hard question yeah no no it definitely is uh i think it's given me an opportunity to be um not as scared to speak my mind um at work uh, or like in a professional manner like sometimes i've always been not sometimes i've i've always been before improv very like timid and and would kind of like keep my mouth shut um and just like you know nod or comply whatever um worked at starbucks they kind of beat me down <laughs> uh, i can imagine <laughs> yeah uh, oh god nightmares that's a diff- <laughs> that's a different podcast right there um but uh yeah i feel like after doing improv for so many years now it's i i feel just like um i feel allowed to be myself with even my coworkers. Uh, I've started a new uh, career path in the last year, and, and I really like working with the people that I work with right now. And um, we seem to, you know, sort of mesh and 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 jive. And uh, I, I and hey, a few of them have come to some improv shows in the past, so it's actually pretty cool to be able to feel like yourself um, for once in a change. So I feel like improv has given me a freeing sense of myself for like the first time in like maybe over a decade maybe over a decade really yeah does it make you feel more like yourself when you're doing it in that moment or is it just kind of yeah. like having that outlet in general just makes you feel more no full? it definitely makes me feel like myself i mean like when i'm on stage uh, i'm doing characters and voices and such that i would just do by myself or or with my brothers you know my my, my younger brothers uh, they're twins um and they're also uh, creative minds in their own respect uh, one of them was pursuing his uh, uh studies in the performance arts as an actor and then the other uh, works in animation and uh wow. yeah and you put the three of us together we might be able to make something <laughs> it runs in the family yeah um <laughs> quick plug secret destroyers you should check that out on instagram hashtag secret destroyers i'm just throwing a little little plug for my little bro anyways um uh yeah i i I feel like, you know, when I'm up on that stage, I, I'm able to be myself and, and be that freeing goofball without feeling judged, mm-hmm. you know, because I always I'm, I'm, I've been brought up in a certain way in my mind where I feel like I'm being judged by everybody. And and when I'm doing improv, I don't feel judged. I feel like that's that's what he's supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. good. That's you a know? great way to put it. It feels like a very non judgmental place yeah and you know it's not even just the people that you're playing with but i feel like the audience as well it feels like they're not judgmental either it kind of feels like a collaborative environment yeah Yeah. i mean i haven't really had any bad experiences with the audience um and the time i mean not to say that it won't happen i've witnessed it uh, happen at other shows that i've watched really oh yeah people can be dicks (laughs) oh no i'm afraid to find out i've never seen that oh i you want to hear a story (laughs) yes okay (sighs) <sighs> uh it was it was actually you're doing the uh the league right now at uh, village theater mm-hmm. uh your improv team so um years ago this is probably like 2017 or 2018 i was working a shift as a volunteer at village 
and it was during an hour where they were doing a league performance and um it was an audience of literally four plus me plus uh, miguel was there too sitting in the back he, he was just there um miguel is the guy who runs dynamic el dorado here in atlanta georgia and uh <laughs> so three teams and only an audience of four that audience is clearly there to support only just one single team and uh, the first team to go up is this team called Why So Serious? And they, uh, their shtick is to like, you know, do serious improv, get a serious topic. And we're, we're not trying to be funny. We're just trying to do serious, dramatic improv, which I think is a really cool concept. Yeah. Um, but on that day, the stars were not aligned because only one player from that team was able to make it to the performance. And for some reason, everybody else couldn't make it. Like it just, I don't know what happened, um, but it was a one-man show. And this individual was trying to explain the concept to his audience of four, plus me and Miguel. And uh, he asked for a suggestion of a serious topic. And the audience member just says the first thing that comes to his mind is like, suicide. No. Yeah. And that individual on the stage looked at him, clapped his hands and says, we're doing suicide. That's a bold move. I mean, I can't, I won't tell you what happens next because it's just too much. But um, that dude gave quite a committed performance. I was gobsmacked by it. It's something you will never see again. You just, you had to have been there. And like Miguel and I got to witness it. And that audience, I mean, he took them for a ride because if you're really going to be that asshole to throw a suggestion like that, you better. Be ready to feel the reciprocation of your actions from me, the performer. So I saw something that night that I just, I'll, I'll never forget. It's pocketed in my brain and it will stay there for a very long time. Do you think that was a core memory for you? Kind of when you think about improv and where you want to go and how you want to improve? Is that, is that a performance where you just kind of channel it? Like that was some shit that made me feel emotional. I would love to also evoke that emotion in people i really as bad as that set was for many different reasons the greatest thing about it was the commitment he gave i mean his object work was on point Mm -hmm. i mean everything he was doing was terrible again i'm not going to go into detail about it on (laughs) on recording but um holy man his commitment was impressive and I, i just i will never forget that um And then the secondary is, of course, the cringe that I felt for 20 minutes because it was. Um, They did not win. They did not move on to that next round. And uh, that's the end of that tale. But I I got something from that. I I appreciate it to this day. I do. Mm. I truly do. And you you said that the audience only had four people. Yeah. Do you, if you had your pick of the litter, would Mm. you rather have an audience of a few thousand people mm-hmm. or do you think you'd rather have an audience of 10 or less people? What do you think would be harder for you? Riley, I've performed for an audience of one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The character building. I'm sure you experienced, you know, what's interesting was, is that um, it, it should have felt like a low point. And in a way it did because that team that I was on at the time um, we had, been promised a run at at a theater and they kind of screwed us over and gave us sunday and uh it it, nobody goes out on sunday at least back then and just uh 
the, the audiences were depleting week by week. And then we just had an audience of one and the house manager's like, we can cancel the show if you want. And I'm like, I mean, we're all like looking at each other, like, let's just do this. Let's do the show. And we went extra with it. Cause if we're performing for one person, you better be fucking extra with it. Um, <laughs> maybe a lot of it didn't make any sense. And, um, I can attest to that because I, I throw in some nonsensical stuff and people don't know what to do with it. Only certain <laughs> brains know my brain that I've performed <laughs> with uh, individuals like Devin Tully and Cole Wadsworth. Like we just we, we eat each other's brains. We know exactly the goofiness that we're about to throw at one another. Um, well, you are all very vibrant performers, by the way. So that is mm, quite a group there. I mean, yeah. you are all so expressive. I mean, you're people that for me, I look up to. Absolutely. You know, at this point in my improv well, who, journey what, what, who do you look up to in in this improv journey of yours like what are the um your improv heroes in in atlanta i'm curious well you oh, obviously you knew that i was not fishing for that audience i just i <laughs> i have genuine heroes uh, in atlanta too like there are some improvisers i desperately would love to be that kind of performer but i just i know i'll never be that performer why do you say that because they're just so special and unique in their own way and and they have something that i just i don't have and i'm i'm okay with that like they just they have a certain ability in their utility belt that i just i haven't mastered yet um that they've had much much longer time to work with but i'm sorry yeah. i interrupted you with your no 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 uh you're fine no yeah. yeah if i could think about people in our community that would be inspirational i think brett mm -hmm. he's yeah. obviously a pillar of the community that everybody looks up to yes but also avery sharp He's been teaching me Dude, for the Avery past couple is months. Insanely talented. Holy yeah. shit. He is. And it's his versatility too that's really inspiring. He really is versatile. Yeah, I mean there's nothing he can't or wouldn't be willing to try to do, which is really nice. I always get whenever he shows up at the jams, uh, I always get giddy when Avery, you know, throws in a dance move in the middle of randomness that just comes out of nowhere because he makes it look so fucking easy <laughs> and smooth. Jesus Christ. It's almost annoying. I'm like, why it are really you being is. so likable? <laughs> He's too talented and too likable. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, he really is fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, I've been taking classes at Dad's Garage now since nice. late November, and I can't recommend it enough. I feel like it's just been so much more fun to try things now because I'm less self-conscious about doing bad and I have less stage fright and I'm just, I feel more comfortable now after just doing it or performing and and practicing you know mm. once twice three times a week as opposed to initially just going to the jams you know because mm -hmm. we love a jam the jams are fun Don't wednesdays a15 bibliotech but um yeah it's just not it's not enough for me i'm like i need more of course but yeah what about you who else inspires you in the community oh man mark kendall uh is a genius i i, I love that man i i everything he puts out whether it's like an instagram story that he like put like actual production value into or just his one man shows or, or or you know his writing he's on another level so fucking talented um and just a really genuinely nice dude like just really nice guy always you know happy to talk to you in the middle of uh, an improv crowd after a show at, at either at dad's dynamic or wherever else and uh yeah um who else who else is someone you know, uh, one of my old coaches, I really oh, love her to death. Jenny Holden is so freaking funny. She performs over at Village Theater and she is just like 
a human walking dynamite of energy. Like I just love watching her perform on stage and like the characters she just pulls out of thin air. She is a, a chameleon. Really? Yeah. Like I aspire to be that like Nirvana goofiness as her. She's so freaking goofy. It's and she makes it look like art. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I think a great example of that too would be Cole Wadsworth. Oh and how God, he's yeah. all over the stage. He's so expressive. His object work is like a different level, you know? And yet it always ties together in the end. Like, I'm convinced he's not human. Like he, he is, a, he's one of those lizard creatures and he'll probably attest to this saying, yeah, no, it's true. I am one of those lizard creatures that hides inside the human skin suit. And, um, but no, man, he just, how he moves. It's like he can defy gravity in his object work. I can't even, it's just so far away from where I'm at currently because mm. I, I do the opposite where I, I'm actively trying to do more object work. I consciously think about it mm -hmm. and he is doing it constantly that I'm just looking at him like, how who taught you this who how did you get to this point because i want to get there too okay aaron what is your biggest fear when you get on stage what's something that you genuinely worry about when you go up there whether it's silly or not silly here's the thing like um before i hit the stage i am so fucking nervous um every time every time i'm shaking i'm scared yeah, I am so nervous behind the stage and I'm always, I'm like jumping around and I'm just trying to like psych myself up. But then as soon as I get on stage, it takes a minute or two, but it's it's immediately it evaporates that fear, that anxiety. Cuz now I have a way to hone it and focus it on something else and um sometimes I I I don't even remember what I I did in that scene. Like it's it I'm just like on a high of euphoria from that anxiety so i guess to answer what scares me on stage i feel like stage is actually where i feel the most safe that's valid yeah that actually that makes perfect i mean sense. i don't want to like perform to dead air you know like if, yeah. if there was like an audience of 10 like 5 10 like and nobody laughs for the entire half hour um or if you're doing a full hour i yeah i'll, I'll probably be like sitting in my car being like mother the fuck did you do what was that offer why'd you say that Ugh. <laughs> on the car ride home to me is always just like self-deprecation hour i'm like what did i do wrong here did i say something wrong did i was i not funny enough like mm. i feel like i think about it the whole way home <laughs> but I, it's impossible not to it's yeah it's hard not to especially if, if you're an individual who's always hard on yourself That's me. Yeah. um actually i have a question for you sure your first jam the very first improv jam you ever performed. Can you share a memory from that? And I'll share a memory from my first improv jam that I ever performed. Is there a scene that comes to mind that you were proud to be a part of or, you know, something, an offer that you gave that you felt, fuck yeah, that was a good offer. Yeah, no, good question. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, because I'm also a, a black router on stage. I just sometimes get yeah. caught up and I just kind of forget. And nowadays I remember it more because I'm having more fun and I'm more comfortable up there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, from my first jam, I can't remember any scenes that I was in. I remember that I did jump in twice, which at the beginning, I mean, I was like, that was huge for me to like jump in mm. by myself. And somebody pulled me in at one point. And so I was like, thank you. But, you know, I didn't technically do it. Um, but yeah, I don't remember any scenes that I was in, but I do remember I was going with Kim, my best friend, Kim Richardson, 
<laughs> we live in the same building, so we drive everywhere together. Dynamic duo. <laughs> You're on an improv team together. Yeah. We're always together. Yeah. And she, we'd been going to the jams for like three weeks before this because she was like, it seems really fun. We should just go watch it. And we were both very much on the same page with like, we're going to watch it, but we're not going to get up there. Mm. That's the smart way to approach a jam, I feel, before you jump in like if you're feeling green in this community go to the jams like a couple of times just watch it and then like after you've gotten a feel of everyone's like performing styles be like okay okay i can dip my toes in this pond yeah you really have to wrap your head around the whole thing yeah. and i feel like at bibliotech too it being such a small space with people right on top of you it's not like a traditional stage you know it's just a bookstore that we've converted into sure. a stage yeah. so if i think that's a lot more intimidating than going to a smaller jam maybe with a true stage with lights because you know with the lights on a stage you can't see the crowd mm. looking at you but at bibliotech you can see all the eyes and it's all your friends and it's just kind of terrifying mm. or it used to be terrifying but yeah i remember one day kim and i or actually i got in the car and i was like i'm going up there tonight i'm feeling crazy and kim was like no 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 we're, mm. we're not ready and i'm like i know but i feel like you just kind of have to jump in head first or you're never gonna know if you can do it or not so then i was like i'm getting up there and she's like well fine i'm getting up there too <laughs> and then we had so much fun we went to church afterwards the bar and that was a church bar is a one of the hot spots of all improv and stand-ups in atlanta they love to meet at church just to shoot the shit church <laughs> a bar in atlanta so people say they're going to church it's not that church it's <laughs> this church <laughs> the church the church <laughs> but what about you is there a specific memory you yeah, had from your first time i can remember it as clear as day i felt so proud of myself with this scene i um I, I performed my very first jam at Village Theater. Uh, it was like January 2017, a few weeks after my classes had begun. And me and the friends were like, let's go do the jam because it starts an hour after class ends. We'll go over to Augustine's, grab a drink and walk back and do the jam. And, uh, you know, there were some scenes that uh, I kind of threw myself into or got pulled into. But the last scene of the night I got the biggest laugh and I was really proud of myself. It was at that moment. I was like, okay, I'll try level two after level one. Really? Um, in that moment, you were in like, in this yep. moment, I felt the <laughs> confident, like, okay, level two, we can, let's see what level two does. But I, 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 um, someone in the scene was like playing the president of the United States in their motorcade. And I decided to be the voice of like kit from Knight Rider, but it's the motorcade. And we just had like a, a Knight Rider spoof scene with the president and I was just the voice off stage. And like, I got a compliment from one of the performers there who's like on the house team when they were doing house teams back then. They don't do house team formats anymore, but mm -hmm. when they had a house team, this person came up to me and they're like, that was a, that was a nice move you made there. Just doing that side support off stage as, as kit. And I was like, thank you. That was Wow, it goes a long way when I they felt, say stuff like that. I felt validated in that moment. I felt validation. It was nice. It was really, really nice. Do you also find that moments like that where you get complimented by someone where you, you kind of hold their opinion in a high regard, you know, and those opinions or their compliments really hit home? Do you also feel like they kind of refuel you to get through those days where like you do a whole set 
and you don't get laughs or you think, you know, you, you don't have a bad performance. And like, I personally, if I have a bad performance, I go home and I'm like, maybe it's not for me. Maybe like, maybe I'm just an actor. Maybe I'm not an improviser, but then moments like that, you know, where you get a compliment from someone and you're like, man, wait, actually, yes, I do still love it. I'm just being dramatic. I mean, I've definitely had my spouts of like, ah, maybe I should take a break. Have you? Oh, sure. Yeah, a couple times. I'm actually in the middle of one right now. Um, taking January off just to like recharge the mental batteries, not really focus on anything improv related per se. I got a monthly show that I'm a part of, but I'm not hosting it this time. So I'm just going to play in it. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it kind of just comes in weird ways. Um, to knock you out of those moments. Um, there was a, a period where um, I just was kind of like ready to be done with improv. Like I was, I, I had a wall at, this was like in summer of 2018. I had committed to the league at that time uh, with my first team ever, the Jonestown players. We were a, a cult improv team. We wore culty red robes and we <laughs> threw out free Kool-Aid, so, sorry, flavor aid jonestown right we have to be authentic <laughs> uh flavor aid from the dollar tree and um so yeah we were doing our our cool little like um w what we did in that uh, that group uh was uh, invocation and it's a format that was developed by del close and he was a practicing wiccan which i was kind of surprised to learn uh what's a wiccan you know a male witch oh okay yeah witchcraft Gotcha. So he was a practicing Wiccan and the invocation comes from like the form of like spell casting. Oh. And we just kind of felt like that worked for our, you know, look and feel of being a cult improv team. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, during that summer, I just, I, I, some, for some reason or another, I just, I hit a wall and I was like, I'm, I think I want to take a break after the league is over. Like I might take a year off from improv. Like I was just not in a good place. But we started doing the league. And then uh, finally, after those weeks where now it's starting to matter, like they start taking people out of the equation, we performed our first show, moving on to the second round. Okay? We performed that show. We're moving on to the third round. We performed that show. We end up in the finals, the top three last teams in the league of 2018, the Atlanta Improv League. It was uh... us... Six Kids Improv, and Channel Surfers. We won. Really? We, we won in first place. Uh, oh, wow. And I mean, it was that night, you know, just like how my parents were there. My grandparents were there. They came to see the final show and voted for us. And like being surrounded by all your friends and colleagues and people that you look up to and people that uh, you just love playing with, like celebrating together because at that point backstage the top three teams there was no longer a competition of the the number one team that wins gets a run of shows no 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 you all three get a run of shows here because you've made it to the top three at this point now we're just kind of like battling for money but really what's the point you guys wanted shows and everyone was happy and it was a really great night um and i i remember that night very well and it kind of just snapped me out of this like you know funk that i was in and yeah and the part of that equation was winning first place but i also i've never really won first place in anything in my life like that was my first time winning first place in anything and it wasn't doing comedy so that felt like a true high bar in in my 
life, I feel. Um, being able to win at something for just being silly. And that's a great feeling. And I've accomplished it. And I'm now doing other things with other people. And it's it, it, it continues to give me that similar high from that night to today. Wow. But, you know, every now and then, you, you, you do ask yourself, like, should I, is there anything else out there to do? Am I, am I wasting time? No, no, this is fun. Because every time I host that jam, I, I feel so proud of just like everyone having a great time. The fact that I was able to give you guys a space to just be uninhibitedly you. I felt proud of myself in that because I'd never really been able to offer something like that to people. And it kind of just fell in my lap. And I, and I really appreciated that opportunity because things like that just don't truly fall in one's lap all the time. It was a million to one shot that whole jam worked out. The mining for gold jam? The mining for gold jam. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question about that. You, you created a very welcoming, warm environment for people. And, you know, you can preach that you want it to be a welcome environment, but to actually create it and follow through with it and continually every week making people feel loved and wanted and respected, mm. you know, that's a huge part of the whole journey because it's a very vulnerable art form. And if you feel like you're being judged and you're unwelcome, you're not going to come back. So, I mean, certainly that's why Kim and I kept coming back because it's a great community, you know, all the people and they're great and everything, but mm. Yeah, it was just, it was like a full experience, you know, and then you would also take photos, which was so nice of you. And you guys post it and you could see, you know, if you weren't there, you could see what went on and like who was paired up together and the pictures and stuff. And like, it was just such a fun, fun thing. I think uh, what it was, how the, the jam evolved between when it first started pre-pandemic to post-pandemic is that when we started pre-pandemic, you know, it, we were just kind of like trying it as it went along, you know, building the body around the skeleton, so to speak. I've gone to my fair share of jams and I've seen how their formats are. So I kind of like stole a basic format from one jam that I was absolutely a fan of um, that doesn't run anymore. But uh, then the pandemic happened and we didn't know if we we're going to go back out and do anything ever again. Uh, and some of us just have that, you know, anxious bug that wants to perform the goofy stuff. So we made it work on Zoom. And I took the jam online and originally it started out with just local Atlanta friends doing online jam and we would stream it on Facebook. And then people from New York joined in and people from Chicago joined in London, India, San Francisco, Dallas, Tucson. It, people were coming from all over. So now the, the online jam is its own special thing. It's its own entity, but we, we got experimental. We made themes. We tried different formats. We played around with the tools that we were given at that time and created a whole new form of improv. And uh, it's still going on to this day. Like every now and then I perform Zoomprov shows uh, with these individuals that I've known now for three years. And uh, we've met each other in person. You know, we, we've done shows together now in person in real life. It's weird, but it's happened. I perform now in like San Francisco, Oakland, New York. Um, it's, it's crazy meeting all these folks that I've been hanging out with online. So when I came back to do the live jam again, like I wanted to like bring that sense of like inclusiveness and community and, and just shaking things up like that jam, but do yeah. it for a, a live jam. 
And the photos thing, because you mentioned that, the photos thing was just to bring the jam to you. Like, as you as you said it best, I mean, like, it, if you weren't there, here's what you missed. And I would do three rolls of 10 photos of just that night, and then we move on. I'll dump all the rest of them on the Facebook page if you need to get your color versions, but I love my... <laughs> I love my artsy black and white. Black and white just looks so fucking cool. Yeah, no, that was just such a good idea to do. And then, you know, the first couple of times that Kim and I went, I remember waking up in the morning and seeing that I was tagged in a photo. And, you know, when I was looking back on the night, I was like, I didn't do well, but I'm glad that I went. Like, it was mm. still good for me to go. I learned and whatnot. And then I saw that you'd posted photos and I was like, wow, you know, looking back on it, like it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I thought it was a great That idea. memory exists now. You can go back and like, this was my first jam yeah because that's also why I, that's another reason why i take the photos is because if there is somebody there trying that jam for the first time or even doing improv for the first time i'd like to give them that memory you know i mean yeah. i know some people are, are finicky about photos on the internet and such i i totally respect that that's why i try to you know make sure the picture taking is appropriate nothing looks too stupid and ridiculous <laughs> i try to make everybody look like fucking rock stars in their their scenes i I, like i love catching a a shot of somebody like screaming at somebody (laughs) to like like you the audience online is like what the fuck was happening in this scene i wonder (laughs) yeah so how did you actually end up hosting the jam for the first time were you asked or were were you like i would love to yeah i mean what happened was is like miguel who runs dynamic uh I was going to host a jam and uh, I showed up and like nine others showed up. Um, maybe like 12 showed up total. And uh, he asked me, do you want to host? Cause I don't want to host. I don't like being on stage. And I'm like, all right, I, I guess I'll host. I don't like being on stage. But fine, I'll do it. I mean, that's a big move to do that. That's a lot of, well, pain. I didn't feel that bad about it because the people that were there are just all my friends. Like I know all these people. So I felt comfortable in that room at that time. And back then it was just like, house lights were on the stage was barely a stage or it was a stage or not a stage that stage has transformed so many times <laughs> um and we just brought out some fold-up chairs and kind of like mishmashed it and performed like you know four teams doing 10 minutes each and that was it and uh i enjoyed that night and uh i came back the next week and i did it again and i was and i just kind of like accepted the role that was given to me and continued hosting it So I do owe a debt of gratitude to Miguel for giving me that opportunity to host a jam. Yeah, well, we all collectively love Miguel so much. He's such a wonderful person. And you guys are a great pair, too. We work really well together. And I mean, it's funny that you started off with only a few people, because then by the end, it was like people were fighting for spots on that list. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's crazy to think about. That's nuts, right? Like, it started out with just the friends and now it's it's become this whole other thing that uh, maybe became too big for itself. I don't know, because it's, it's on a hiatus, and I'm not sure where exactly it's going to go next. Um, I have a few considerable options, but um, yeah, it's, it's nuts how that thing has evolved into what it was and is currently. So. Well, and I think that's a testament to how great it was, because if people didn't want to go, it certainly wouldn't have exploded into this thing that everybody wanted to go to and you had people out at 10 30 at night doing improv like on a weeknight i mean that's impressive yeah i mean look i i went to a jam called richard kickers at relapse and uh that jam also began at 10 o'clock and 
Sometimes that thing went till midnight. Actually, one time went till 1 a.m. Um, it's crazy. And wow. random faces showed up at that jam. Hell, Rory Scoville performed in that jam. He recorded his stand-up special at Relapse, and then the next night was the jam. He stuck around and performed at that jam. It's just... But with Mining for Gold, I I took basically notes in my in my mind from previous jams that I've gone to and, and I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And uh, I, I am kind of a stickler for making things work properly in, in the work life or on stage. So I want to make sure that what we're doing at the jam is, you know, uh, a welcoming, freeing, inclusive community where it doesn't matter your skill set. Uh, if you feel confident enough to go on the stage, I want to see you perform. Because any honestly, anybody can do this. Anybody can do improv. You just have to be brave enough to do it. That's it. Yeah, I think trying it is, I mean, the hardest part. Like yeah. For me, it's truly only gotten easier since those first couple times that I did it. And if I could tell anybody that's trying it, I would just say, just fight through it for the first couple times. It's going to be scary the first time. Yeah. For sure. It'll be terrifying. It'll be awkward. And your armpits are going to sweat a lot. And you're going to be oh, really yeah. nervous. And then it's going to be really great in like a month. And you're going to make a lot of friends. So just hold out. You can do it. But I will I'll argue this. After that first time you do it, once you get off stage, you'll be like, oh, fuck, I kind of want to go back again. God damn it. I didn't even do enough scenes tonight. <laughs> oh, I got to come back next week now. All right, fine. <laughs> Improv. You got me. <laughs> yeah in your journey right now as far as like your personal skill and performance goes what's something you're trying to work on with yourself every time you get up there are you thinking of something in particular yeah you know i i'd, I'd like to be less um what's the word i'm looking for here I, I i i rely on high status in scenes a little too often oh what does that mean you know like i'm the boss and you're the subordinate that oh. high status yeah and I, I always, re I always fall back on that it's just all the time. Um, and I don't know what that says about me. Maybe I don't know. I'm seeking <laughs> therapy this year. It's one of my new resolutions for the new yes, year. So snap, snap. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm trying to find a way to balance high and low status characters. Um, and I'm working with you know, some people here and there. Uh, another, you know, improv hero around Atlanta, Neetal Raman. Uh, he's uh, a stupid genius when it comes to grounded improv and he's helped me you know navigate uh grounded improv which can help with the high and low status characters so um it is something i am actively working on and hoping um to find a balance can you pinpoint why those scenes are more attractive to you why you just kind of tend to fall into i mean isn't it isn't it fun to play the monster the the the, the goon the 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 mob boss, the the villain, the like I mean it's it's the the big the biggest character. But like I would also like to be in a scene where it's high status versus high status and they're just like heightening, heightening, heightening until it just becomes pure madness. Yeah. But like I feel like a scene like that needs to happen near the end of the long form set. You can't I don't think you should start a long form set off the wall insane. Cause I think you'll lose your audience right then and there. The best way to start a scene is just agreeing on the same thing. 
you're, if it's a two-person scene, which I think every long-form set should start with a two-person scene. That's why I like to throw that caveat every now and then at the jam. Like, first two scenes are just two-person scenes only. After that, do whatever you want. Because we should take a time to just, like, stop, look at our surroundings, create this world together. Um, are we both making lemonade together? Yes, we are. We're both making lemonade together. You know, this is our activity. The conflict will find us. Something will happen. You poured salt into the lemonade instead of sugar. Oh no, a debacle has now occurred into the scene. A debacle. A debacle. What are we going to do? It just got <laughs> salty. <laughs> Have you ever had someone reject an offer on stage, like your offer? All the time. Don't name names, but you've had it happen. No, I won't name names. Um, I had it happen to me recently and it took me... Tell while. me about it. Well, it was that dynamic, actually. <gasps> yeah. And I said something that I thought was a little, you know, like not what was expected. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to, I kind of could see where the scene would go. And I was like, I don't want it to go where it always goes. I'd rather switch it up a little bit. And I remember that I said something and there were three of us in the scene, myself included. And I was on one of the ends. Like it was one, two, and then me. Mm -hmm. And the person in the middle, after I said this, turned their back to me and started talking to the other person in the scene and essentially kind of like rejected what I said. And then on top of that, kind of like cut my character out of the scene a little bit, which, you know, I don't know if they intended to do that. I assume they didn't, but mm. at the time I was just like, oh shit, that doesn't feel good to have somebody reject what you said, even if it's silly and doesn't make any sense. You know, I was like, I certainly would never want to make anybody else feel that way. So now it makes me really conscious of like, even if I don't know what they're talking about, just agreeing with them in the confusion and being like, yeah, whatever you say is what it is because I'm not going to tell you no. There's no structure to this. There's no right and wrong answer, you know, to tell somebody no, that's not, I don't know. To me, that's like the one thing you probably shouldn't do is reject someone else's. There's got to be like, if you are going to reject somebody, like you need to like find a way to like, yes, and it as well, like mm -hmm. to be clever so to speak but if you're just gonna flat out say no for the sake of just like shock value you're not doing your scene partner any favors right it's not supportive yeah. to do that that's yeah. there was uh, an excerpt i remember from one of these improv books i read back when i was starting um it was a scene that took place i think at um ucb and in the scene one of the performers was jason manzukis uh fucking love that guy he's hysterical uh he, he played rafi on the league if you're familiar with that show um, but he uh, is in the scene. He's like sitting at a desk and he's like reading an imaginary newspaper. And then like some guy runs in on the stage and says, sheriff, sheriff, there's a bunch of, a bunch of werewolves attacking the town and, and everyone is you know, in danger. And we, we need your help, sheriff. Help is your only hope. And then Jason just like keeps reading the newspaper and says, nope. And then the guy on the stage just kind of like makes like a freeze, like stun look as it's like written in the book. And then Jason then puts the fake newspaper down and says, but I'm the only sheriff in this town, so I guess I have no choice. Now, do I? <laughs> so now he's found a way to yes, it by playing the reluctant sheriff. And that's his character now. His character trait is reluctancy and just having to be like, ugh, this is my world that I'm stuck in. Fuck, I could be reading the funny papers right now. Yeah, that's a great way to spin it because it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. It's kind of like you don't fully accept their idea, but you're like, yes, I acknowledge your presence and your character and I'm going to spin it a little bit. That's why I say at the jam, like, just the, have fun and don't be afraid to fuck with each other. Like, that's mm -hmm. what we're here to do. Have fun and just fuck around. Yeah. You know, like you can be coy and cutesy as long as it like, you know, 
helps your scene partner like in a way that's a yes and i I mean i feel like this is common stuff but uh you know every now and then you see at a jam somebody tries to be you know on their own level and and doesn't take the other folks into consideration for what they're offering like Mm -hmm. they make it about themselves at that point i've seen it at jams like at relapse back in the day just that place was the wild west too richard kickers it really was like just shit went down at that place if you went there you know if you know you know i'm Um, jealous i never got to go (laughs) but man it, it was some weird shit happened at that place and people got very oh cocky certain individuals just um were just being obnoxiously cocky mm. and and then and then became obnoxious and then rude mm. yeah I that. yeah <laughs> i've i've literally seen a man dragged out of that place for being disruptive in an improv scene what yeah no just crazy what is wrong with people i don't know <laughs> i just i simply enjoy doing improv because it genuinely makes me feel good when i do it whether it'll lead me down a path of um you know the creating shows producing content i i'm kind of just i've approached this as the art form itself i'm just improvising my way through the improv community <laughs> i know that sounds that sounds weird and feeling a little more centered okay how so uh you know like less depressed and anxious just why i am actively trying to pursue therapy this year um maybe we'll do an update episode on once i get into it but uh (laughs) um yeah I i don't know just i i'm tired of feeling like shit on the inside i think that's the best way i could say it and you know you can only take so much before it just you stink up the place or collapse i don't know i'm not really great with metaphors here right now but um (laughs) i will say that i just i want to work on myself this year and feel centered uh just in body and mind and uh, i'm hoping 2023 can be like the start of that year because we're recording this in january it's a brand new start to a whole new whole new year and uh i'm not gonna say i feel confident about this year but i am open to all the possibilities that might present itself some about 23 is a good number right that's what they say you know it was a jim carrey movie the number 23 was it it was (laughs) i need to get out more yeah yeah, it's fine (laughs) well thank you so much aaron you're welcome Uh, this was awesome i'm happy to be the first of the podcast yeah thank you for joining you know Mm -hmm. i knew what i wanted to do with this but you somehow made it better than i was expecting so (laughs) thank you for being the best thank you for sharing your journey you know of course vulnerable thing to do so happy to do it it. yeah thank you thank you and uh subscribe follow the link to uh yes and podcasts and and follow the instagram and the myspace and the discord you, you're like all over the place so i i take it at this point right yeah. Yeah, definitely on myspace definitely no doubt about that. definitely 